0: Zozo Written by Kristen Knight Narrated by Nancy Peterson No! Andy jumped after him, grasping his hands as his feet dropped into the chute. His face glowed red and it called out in pain. Andy braced her legs against the outside of the bin and pulled powerful force pulled back, an evil undertow yanking him down. Stop! He tried using his feet and knees to scale the bin, but the pull was too strong and the bin too slick. Then one of his hands slipped from Andy's. No, Chris! she screamed and yanked with her whole body. Suddenly, The pull weakened, then the fire broke up in places, like ribbons of water had cut through it. What are you doing? It's working. I'm not doing anything, Chris shouted over the roar. Then Andy saw the rosary she'd made Chris had come untucked from his shirt and was cutting into the flame. Chris, your rosary... It's putting out the fire. Chris quickly took off the beads and spun them under his body. After three passes, the flame let go. Chris crawled from the red bin, his clothes and hair charred. Are you burned? Andy asked. A little, he winced. She held up his shirt to reveal his stomach streaked with red but his skin was unbroken. Arius held his hands out again, chin down, eyes determined. Another black magic chant came from his lips. Once, then twice. He was hard to hear over the screaming bodies and whirlwind. On Arius's second chant, the Emma apparition dissipated into ash, and Mr. Belikov bent over, his light dimming, his skin swelled and rolled like he was boiling inside. In seconds, he had morphed into a bulbous, bent over creature with the distorted face of a man. Charred skin peeled and cracked from his body, revealing a soul of bloody fire. Six inch claws grew from his hands and feet Andy's mouth fell open. "What is that?" "It's a demon," Chris said and stepped in front of her. Arius knelt and bowed his head. The demon hobbled over and climbed up his back. Then what looked like a crevice of shadow opened on the crown of Arius's head, and the demon slipped inside. When the crevice sealed shut, Arius rose. As he straightened, he gained six inches of height, and his shoulders spread to twice their size. The demon's red skeleton burned beneath his skin. His eyes glowed like coals, and every few seconds his face distorted as if the devil inside was ill-fitting in his skin. The acrid smell of burning flesh... Filled the room. Arius pointed to Andy and muttered a word in a voice she didn't recognize. Her body lifted, then yanked back through the room, slamming hard against the metal wall. She hung, pinned to the wall, two feet from the ground, trying to catch her breath. Seconds later, Chris was hanging beside her, the hot metal searing his arms and legs. Then, like a scrim had been lifted, the ceiling and walls disappeared. And though they could feel the wall behind them, Andy and Chris seemed to hang in midair. And not only were the walls around them gone, but the mountains and city that lay beyond looked different. It was dirty, decaying and charred, lit with red fire rather than warm electric light the clouds above burned black like cotton puffs and a fiery wound ripped open across the sky. Through it poured thousands of black-winged birds, screaming with human voices as they dove. As they came closer, everyone saw they were women with black-scaled wings, glowing red eyes, and crackling demon skin. But unlike the Arius demon, Each one of them wore Andy's face, hair, and eyes. Even their cries sounded like her. Her expressions? Theirs. Swooping down one by one, they opened their mouths and vomited fiery darts at Andy and Chris, stinging their skin like angry wasps. Stop! Andy screamed as the onslaught continued. Please! Like a fire hose of agony, one after another spewed pain, then flew off and made room for the next. All the while, the airiest creature stood before them, smiling and licking its lips. After several minutes, he spoke, and the pain stopped. Andy opened her swollen eyes and saw him panting and hunched, The winged women hung in the air in formation, a legion of dark soldiers. That should do, he said in a deep harmonic voice. He spoke another chant and pointed at the obsidian knife. In a single motion, it flew from the table into Andy's outstretched hand, stopping perfectly at Chris's neck. Finish him, the Arius creature said. Now. The knife pressed into Chris's skin. A line of red liquid ran down his throat, mingling with his sweat. No, Andy screamed. Stop. You owe us. We need our reward, the creature bellowed insignificant just finish him you're wrong he's better than you will ever be you twisted freak chris held her gaze unflinching as the blade cut deeper andy turned to arius you're nothing but jealous and weak a fake you have to play other people to get what you want You use all your influence and money for nothing good, nothing real. And the truth is, you have no real power. She fought against the pull of the blade as hard as she could, but was too weak from the darts. It wouldn't move. Quiet! Thick mucus sprayed from the creature's gaping mouth. She managed to pry her other hand free of the unseen force, pinning it to the wall, then gripped the blade with both hands and yanked. The knife moved an inch off Chris's neck. "'You played the wrong hand and did this to yourself,' she said. "'But what terrifies you most deep down is that in the end, your brother was the better man and deserved everything that was yours.' And you're nothing but a liar and a parasite. Arius barreled toward Andy, raising his hand. The knife jerked back to Chris's throat. Finish him. No, you can't do this. Intent matters. If you force me, it won't be my fault. You won't get my soul or your reward. You'll be blind for another year. Arius stomped and screamed. The raging sound shook the walls and hurt their ears like the scream of two breaking trains just before impact. She's right, Arius, Chen said. The hunched Arius creature turned to his long, quiet assistant. In the split second that his attention shifted, Andy yanked against the knife with every ounce of strength she had left. Her hands jerked from the wall and Chris's neck. She stood stunned, looking at the knife. Then, as they'd planned, Chen walked to Andy and gently took the knife from her. The conversation from the car replaying in his mind. I didn't kill her, Andy said. I faked the sacrifice. What do you mean? Chen slowly turned to face Andy. It was set up. I'm working with the FBI to bring down Arius once and for all. Andy took the tiny earpiece out and put it in her pocket. I agreed to fake it before I believed that the plague was real. But now someone I love has it. Along with so many others... I can't let him, or them, die. I need your help to find a way out, a loophole. Will you help me? Chen's shoulders drooped, and he shook his head. Oh, Andy, a life must be taken to stop the disease, no exceptions. And you can't hide from Arius. He'll know it's not done, and will retaliate aggressively. Chen closed his eyes. You've created an impossible mess. Andy leaned against the car door. I've blown it, haven't I? For Chris, for my family, for other people's families. So many will die because of me. I have to fix this. How can I fix this? Chen... You know the law and Arius's contract. Please tell me what to do. Chen rubbed his forehead with one hand and spun his wedding ring with his thumb once, twice, three times. Then said, I may have an idea. Chen's eyes met Andy's and he nodded. There's a better way, Arius one where everyone gets what they want, including you. Then Chen turned the blade to his own chest and thrust it through his heart. No, stop. Arius rushed to his collapsing friend and the fire in the room went out. Then a wall of ashy furniture crashed to the floor and shook the house The ceilings and walls reappeared, and the demon leapt from Arius's body. The touch of Arius's compassion for Chen, a poison to the creature. He lumbered to the corner where he crouched, flicking his forked tongue. Chris and Andy slid down the hot metal wall, leaving streaks of sweat behind. "'Are you okay?' Chris asked. "'Yes.' but you're bleeding bad. The entire left side of Chris's T-shirt was soaked red, and the darts left a pattern of tiny punctures over his entire body. We've got to get you out of here. Andy looked down at her own arms, covered with the same dots of pain. Chen. Arius's body took its old form again, His voice, normal. Why did you do this? You're breaking our deal. Promise me you'll take care of my family. Chen sputtered up blood. Give them everything they need so they can stay together for as long as they need. Promise me. Arius lowered his head. Chen grasped Arius's robe. Promise me, Arius. I need a verbal. Yes. Yes, fine. Arius said, I'll take care of them. But you didn't have to do this. I'm dying anyway. Chen's body shuddered. What? I have cancer. Late-stage. Untreatable. I only have weeks left. No, I would have seen it. You have to ask, remember? That's how the site works. I hid my sickness from you, so of course you wouldn't ask. Chen clamped down on Arius's hand in pain, panting. I want my son to have his mother with him, always. Have a future where he's loved, cared for. Give this to him, please. He took off his ear cuff and handed it to Arius. Tell him I never took it off, and that it brought me luck. Tell him I love him and my wife. Chen whispered, goodbye, Arius. I hope you can find some peace in your life somewhere, somehow. Then his gaze flattened and his body stilled. Chris and Andy stood behind the pair, Watching the demon in the corner. Arius, Andy said softly, he needs an ambulance. They may still be able to save him. The demon growled at her words, clicking its claws on the tile. Arius stood straight and tightened his robe. Quiet, he said to the beast. It's done get thee hence the beast roared his disapproval spewing flaming chunks of flesh and hair across the floor everyone covered their ears at the sound then the demon dissolved into ash and floated back into the tunnel of writhing bodies as the last bit disappeared the passageway closed from the bottom to top like a zipper to hell Arius stood over Chen, his bloodshot eyes changing back to boyish brown, the fever lifting. You did this. You killed the one person I trusted. The one person who understood me and cared about me. You took him from me. He pulled the knife from Chen's chest, then glared at Andy. Andy. Arius, Andy said, moving backward to the keypad. Lift the fireproofing. We need to get him to the hospital. He could still make it. You will pay for this, one way or another. He moved towards Andy with the knife outstretched. Then, without warning, Arius toppled forward the blade flying out of his hand and across the floor. Chris stood behind him, holding his lacrosse stick, eyes wide. Once Arius realized what had happened, he jumped to his feet and leapt towards Chris, then twisted, swinging his leg up and making contact with Chris's jaw. Chris fell sideways across a charred couch. Arius then grabbed Chris by the foot, and pulled him onto the floor where he could get at him easier. Chris shook his head, then sat up. But Arius came at him again, hitting him with a hard kung fu jab. Blood sprayed from Chris's nose. Arius went to hit him again, but Chris's lacrosse reflexes kicked in, and he jabbed at Arius's side, landing a blow on his ribs. Chris heard a distinctive, familiar crack. Arius groaned and bent sideways. He breathed in and out slowly. Enough. I don't have time for this, he said, then began muttering another dark incantation. He wanted to summon up something or someone that would quickly finish the fight, flick away the boyish nuisance, As Arius spoke his spell, Chris groaned and curled up, faking immobility. Arius held his ribs and closed his eyes to finish the chant. As he did, Chris sat up and swung the lacrosse stick up between Arius' legs, hard. A move that would have gotten Chris expelled from any lacrosse game sent Arius forward onto all fours, Arius didn't even have time to look up before Chris was on his feet, and bringing the stick down on the back of Arius's head. Arius fell forward and lay still. Chris rushed to Andy, who was at the keypad. Let's hope Chen didn't remember that I cracked the code on this thing. She keyed in Genesis 4, and the walls rushed up. Chris and Andy struggled to drag Chen into the hallway. As his feet crossed the threshold, Arius started to stir. Andy dropped Chen and scrambled to lock the doors to Arius's room, then seal him in with the fireproof walls. Chris began CPR on Chen as Andy's earpiece came alive. Andy, you there? Andy, over. I'm here, Agent Tate. A long sigh came through her earpiece. Thank heaven! We thought we'd lost you. I'm fine, but we need an ambulance ASAP. Okay, let us in. His doors are reinforced. Even the chainsaw didn't make a dent. Andy unlocked the door, and a dozen FBI agents rushed in, guns drawn. She pointed. He's in the bedroom. The captain nodded and waved his team forward. Seconds later, he said, Hold position. Door's hot. I think the room's on fire. Andy! Shane rushed through the door, gathered her up in his arms and squeezed tight. Are you okay? He craned his head back and looked at her without loosening his grasp. Yes, Dad, I'm all right. She laid her head on his chest. I'm all right. Sweaty, bloodied, and exhausted, Andy sat with her father in the back of an unmarked FBI cruiser parked in the mansion driveway. What happened in there, Sonny? Can you tell me? She twisted to look back at the house. I can't explain it all. I just know there is a lot going on around us that we can't see even in the people we know. Shane nodded. It makes me wonder if there's that much organized hidden darkness in the world. Is there also a layer of light just beneath the skin of our lives fighting for what's good? Fighting for love? Andy gazed at a reflection of the southwestern moon on the black glass windows then back at her dad's soft green eyes. They were brighter than she'd ever seen them before, like he was lit from within. I'm sorry, sunny girl, I'm not exactly following, he said. Tired, I guess. It's okay, dad. Let's go home, she said, then squeezed his hand. Just then, a high-pitched moan like a dying cat keened out around them. As Shane and Andy scanned the grounds for the source, every window in the mansion exploded. Glass rained down, pelting the garden, road, driveway, and car with black shards. The FBI team raced from the burning house, Flames licked the roof, and a column of smoke billowed into the night sky above it. As shouts battered the FBI radio, Agent Tate's voice echoed over the car radio. Fire at will. Agents peppered the sky with gunfire. From the smoke rose a sleek black helicopter. It hesitated, hovering the pilot taking one last look at his burning assets and the game pieces below. Then he flew up and out across the inky black Santa Fe sky. He was moving on again, the fugitive and the vagabond. 7.3 Dawn. Don the next morning, the Santa Fe sky was properly sunlit and gloriously turquoise. Golden fingers of morning stretched through Andy's blinds and onto her face. She closed her eyes and let the heat calm and clear her mind. Reaching above the window, Andy pulled down the key, then unlocked the dresser. Her fingers searched for her glasses, but then stopped, gripping instead The dozens of letters packed together in chronological order. She pulled the first one from its nest and tucked it in her pocket. Then she stuffed the rest in a target bag and marched to the post office down the street. Later, she arrived at the FBI office for a debriefing. Chris was there, clear eyed and freshly bandaged, the nape of his neck spot free. How are you feeling? Andy asked. Good. Except I feel a bit like a pincushion. He smiled and showed the series of prick marks on his arms. Where are your glasses? I tossed them. They were totally scratched up. Could barely see through them anymore. I never thought I'd say this, but I think I will miss them on you. She smiled back. I sent you something in the mail today. A lot of somethings, actually. What? he asked. Just some letters. She pulled out the folded first edition. Here's a preview, but don't read it until you get home or I'll be embarrassed, okay? Promise me. He went to tear it open. Andy grabbed his hand. Seriously, Chris. Later, okay? Okay. He lost his sly smile and tucked the letter in his shirt pocket, patted it, and said, I promise. Andy, you're first. Agent Tate waved her into his office. He looked exhausted and smelled of pre-dawn coffee and fire smoke. What will you do now? Andy asked, sitting across from him. Keep looking, but this time, thanks to you, we have a lot more information, especially what he looks like. For the first time in years, we have a fighting chance to stop him. You might need to follow the trail of blood rather than just look for him. You didn't see what I saw in that house. He's a shapeshifter. What did you see? She sank into the chair opposite Tate's. Too much of myself. He looked at her, weary confusion on his face. Never mind. She went to push up the glasses that were no longer there and ran her hand through her hair instead. So where do you want me to start? Start with what happened after the comp link died. When Andy emerged from Tate's office, she was relieved to see the letter still folded neatly in Chris's shirt pocket. You're next, she said. After Chris was done with Tate, he offered to take Andy to lunch in town. As they pulled onto Paseo de Peralta, they hit heavy traffic. Chris made the most of the time and sang along with his iPod as they inched up the street. The way he bounced his head and belted... I'm still young, wide eyed and hopeless, was so great, and he had to giggle. Stop. Are you laughing at my accent? She shook her head. Absolutely not. Never. She smiled. I think I'm just laughing because I'm happy. He sang louder, and she joined in. I feel my life has just begun. When they reached the capital, they saw the reason for the traffic. Signs in Spanish and English jutted above the crowd. Andy caught sight of Jenna's auburn hair and painted jeans shining in the sun. Pull over, will you? she asked. Chris tucked into a gap between two spaces. Then Andy and Chris met up with her family and Ana Lucero. A man wearing a Lobo's cap stood at the podium. All we want is the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, he said. How is that too much to ask? We're doing the jobs you don't want anyway. Why can't you people understand that? Are you that greedy? Isn't that what America was built on? The backs and brains of immigrants like us? As Andy listened, her hand accidentally brushed the back of Chris's. She hesitated, then exhaled and quickly threaded her fingers through his. She wasn't sure how he'd respond, but finally had the guts to find out. He said nothing. He didn't look at her or make a joke or pull away. Instead, a perfect, gentle smile grew across his lips. Then he wrapped his arm around her, and pulled her close. A calming web of warmth grew from Chris's touch to the sun on Andy's skin to the heat bleeding up through the soles of her shoes. She leaned into his shoulder. He smelled of shampoo and Slurpee. He leaned his head on hers, then quietly said, I read the letter. What? What? Chris, you promised, she pulled back. He held her in place, then said, I lied. She looked into his blue, blue eyes. You'll have to go to confession for that. Chris held her gaze for just the right amount of time and said, Worth it. Then he kissed her, softly, Sweetly, tenderly. The ground fell from beneath Andy's feet again, but this time she stayed steady. A speaker who sounded like he was about to cry pulled their attention. I can't even feed my kids because an illegal took my job. My boy has asthma... I have to listen to him wheeze every night because I can't afford an inhaler. How is that the American way? Don't I deserve the same opportunity to life, happiness, and health for my kids in my own country? This isn't fair. Different sections of the crowd booed and cheered. Good rebuttal, Andy said. He gave strong arguments for each of the previous speaker's points, almost in the same order. He'd be a good lawyer... Lo- and she stopped herself. For the first time in her life, she didn't care how well-ordered or well-crafted or relevant an argument was. She only cared about what was real and the right thing to do. What did you say? Chris said. Never mind. The MC stepped to the podium. Anyone else? It's an open mic. Come on up. State your name. Speak your piece. Andy handed her purse to Jenna. Hold this for me. Why? She looked at her, surprised. Because I have something to say. Andy climbed the stairs to the stage and surveyed the crowd. Eudocs gathered in the front, while citizens huddled on the fringes. A guy in back wore a sombrero and Pancho Villa mustache. Not funny. She breathed deep and leaned into the mic. It's not true. Her voice blasted over the square. Too loud. She leaned back. What they've been saying? It's not really the truth. She said quieter. The man or woman next to you isn't out to get you. They're just afraid." The crowd stilled. Several people shaded their eyes to see who was speaking. And, whether they're undocumented or a citizen, they're just like you. They want what you want. To feed their kids. Keep their family together. Feel safe enough to build their dreams. They don't want to take what you have or chase you away. They just want a chance to be happy. Hiding and twisting the truth, blaming or trying to work the system won't make you happy. It will only push away what and who you love. Andy leaned into the mic. I know... "'cause it made me someone I didn't want to be. "'The worst version of myself.' "'A woman holding a See Me sign "'said it on the ground. "'Is that really what you want for yourself? "'I mean, be honest.' "'A man in the back of the crowd shouted, "'No!' "'So... We need to stop trying to play each other and speak the truth about what really matters to us deep down. Then help each other get it. We have the power to do that here. I believe we do. Every set of eyes now focused on Andy. Hundreds of pairs. Blue, brown, black, green... Hazel. She shuffled in place as nerves prickled the back of her arms. Well, that's all I wanted to say. Thanks for listening. The moderator grabbed her arm. You forgot to state your name. Oh, she turned back. My name is Andy. Andy McBride. This has been Burning Zozo, written by Kristen Knight, narrated by Nancy Peterson. Production copyright 2019 by Kristen Knight.
1: I met this girl the other day The how my story always starts From the first time my eyes laid On you, you stole my heart These are new feelings, up for me and dealings Call me Lloyd St. Clark It's like an ocean between me and you I'm the captain, but I got no charge The way you smile, the way you look I'm hooked and I can't stop staring The glowing vibe, a glimmer in your eye An open book, but I can't stop caring You looked at me, and I saw you But baby, I looked away it was smile at you and get lost in your trance case. My mind is chasing, my heart is racing. Worry about the clothes I'm wearing. I hope I'm handsome. I see us dancing. Now I'm overcome by fear. I'm a little critical. I feel a little cynical. Love is unpredictable. Last girl, stop my heart and let me feel miserable. Now I'm at the top and I think I'm at the pinnacle. <laughs> I think. block two times stand still how I feel when I watch you saying in my hourglass then I crash falling over you you are the kind of girl I'd be happy just to talk to one in a million and another I can spot you dealing with these feelings I'll be chilling in my spot too if I pick you up I would never drop you I knew it was fate it had to happen my breath you take imagine dragons your voice is smooth like angel skin yeah I'm tripping cuz I lost my tracks and I stand on stage and entertain the crowd when I get around you don't make a sound this the best way that I know how words won't work now, and in this moment, only and I and care about it's thinking how I cherish you and care for you now. Our song is on the radio, turn it up loud. Adina, you can let it go, roll the window down. You are so beautiful, all I say is wow. I'm the instrument, and you could be my sound. I'm the instrument, and you could be my sound.